The race to 5G is on, and the battle for talent is getting fierce. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, a podcast dedicated to helping you face the future workforce head on. Navigate this challenging talent landscape with innovative strategies to attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. Only here on 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Hi, and welcome to 5G Talent Talk. I am your host, Carrie Charles, and I am so happy that you are here with me today. I'm even more excited to have my special guest with me, Heather Gastelum. Welcome. Thank you. Heather is the Senior Manager for National Site Safety at T-Mobile, and I have known Heather for a long time now, and I have seen her on panels and speaking ever since I've been in the industry and she's always been a leader. She's always been out front and I am just really thrilled to have you on the show today. So we are going to have some fun with conversation, but the first thing that I really would like to talk about is your journey in your career and especially how you got into telecom because I think that's the coolest story. Yeah, it is. I mean, anyone who's been in the industry over 20 years, it's a random start typically, right? None of us really set out to be a telecom, but I feel like I need to take it all the way back to spending a few summers working for my dad, who was a custom steel fabricator and a general contractor, because I actually picked up more than I appreciated working for him. Not only a strong work ethic and obviously an extreme amount of integrity, but a little other tidbits along the way. And then the random start in telecom, when my husband and I first moved up here, I took a temp job as a coordinator for a wireless company in in Seattle, the birthplace of telecom. And then my next assignment after that, I was working on construction scopes of work and they quickly figured out I, I knew how to read drawings. I understood construction sequencing and really how to deal with the contractors, which I learned from my dad. And then some of them were extra salty and that was like dealing with my dad. So they kicked me out in the field and assigned me my first 25 sites and they were all raw land, new built. Then that's back when we were stacking steel everywhere. So, And you have a real passion about safety, right? And construction. Yeah, for sure. So do we want to talk about that piece of it, that random, interesting? Yes, yes, let's do. So, you know, I've watched my father injured numerous times in working, right? So starting out in his factory, that was back in the day when there were no machine guards, there were no safety mechanisms. We still joke that my dad has nine lives. We still don't know how he has all his digits and everything else. But so back before machine guarding, his right-hand man, Javier, was like family to us. And he tragically lost an eye one day and that impacted all of us greatly. And then my father was almost killed when he was working on a factory floor and they were hoisting a galvanizing steel cage, they didn't have it properly rigged and he wasn't wearing a hard hat. And the corner of the cage came down and, and cracked his skull and, and damn near killed him. And I've personally lost friends from very preventable construction related fatalities. So yes, I'm very passionate about it. You know, the old saying that it comes with a job just doesn't with me. Right. No, you uh, definitely transformed your pain into purpose and you're making a big difference in the industry and with in the lives of 
really hundreds of people. And um, talk about a little your role at T-Mobile and maybe some of the boards and committees you sit on. I mean, you are so active and, and I have no idea how you even have, find time to sleep. <laughs> Yeah, so taking it back a little bit again, they brought me in to manage the tower portfolio. And at that time, when we would wind up having construction-related issues with any of the crews, I would be the one that would wind up you know, investigating that. I did take a, a bit of a hiatus after the tower portfolio sold in 2012 to help our market launch 600. So I put my development hat back on. But when they brought me back to headquarters to manage our vendor safety program, you know, if you know me, you know I'm allergic to not speaking up when I see something that's not done the way that it should be done. And I think that a lot of my safety peers in the industry have really recognized that. And I've been invited to participate and nominated to participate in some really key safety-focused boards. So I'm on the advisory board for the Telecom Industry Registered Apprenticeship Program, which you've probably heard of named TIRAP. And I'm one of the original board of governors on the National Wireless Safety Alliance, NWSA, not sure if you saw the press release, but recently acquired the one-year ANSI National Accreditation Board, that one-year surveillance review process, which is a very big deal because and it was wow. back in 2015 and the ANSI accreditation is something that's not easy to gain. And then most recently, I was nominated to participate on the OSHA Steering Committee as one of the carrier reps to provide the carrier's perspective on that committee. And then I have been involved with some other committees across the industry, the TIA, TR14 Structural Committee, their UAS Drone Committee from obviously the safe work perspective, the Women of Nate, and then I'm the Washington State Liaison for the Wireless Industry Network. So Heather, you speak a lot on workforce development issues. And I mean, you're involved. I mean, we know you're involved in so, so much. And in your opinion, let's talk about some specific challenges that you know companies are facing, some workforce challenges, as well as maybe some challenges that the workforce is facing. You know, it's across all construction trades. And if you're watching the news right now and you're looking at all of the boats off the coast of California and we don't have enough truck drivers to move goods around the country, but from a service perspective, there is a challenge across all the construction trades. I saw a stat by the American Builder and Contractor Association, and they estimated that general contractors needed to hire another 433,000 workers just for 2021, in addition to what they employed in 2020. That's staggering. So our industry is just a small portion. Wow. Are there any solutions that you see? I mean, I know we can't solve this in 25 minutes or so, but any specific solutions that you've thought of? I mean, maybe in the, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and you say, oh, I know this would work. I have an idea. Well, I'm passionate about it because I come from a very unique perspective. The daughter of a blue collar father and a white collar mother provides a unique perspective. We've taken trade classes out of our high schools. So when I've had the opportunity to go in and meet with high school age girl, there's a program that's involved that focuses on girls because statistically they move away from science and math in third grade. And so there's this organization and we get the opportunity to get in front of junior high and high school age girls to talk about STEM careers. And with trades being taken out of high school, we don't have welding anymore. These kids are not getting involved. They might not even come from a family that has tools in the household. So they might never have swung a hammer. My opportunity to learn how to utilize tools growing up was if I broke something, that was my opportunity to learn how to 
guess what you get to do today? So not everybody had that opportunity. And if you just look at the CDL piece of the puzzle, I think collectively as an industry, and I'm very passionate about this, I think all of us can do more by going in and talking down to the grade school, junior high and high school age. A lot of the career counselors seem to focus on high tech and college, which is great, but that doesn't build our country and that certainly doesn't maintain our country. So we need to remind these kids that they have other opportunities and trades are not to be looked down upon. They are very well-paying, you know, crane operators for just one little tidbit of an example. When I drive into work, not even all the way into Bellevue, I drove by 33 cranes. Crane operators typically make, and this is across the country, eighty dollars to $125,000 a year. We've got to start making cheaper, and that doesn't include the cranes that are stacked and operating in Bellevue and in Gallo right now. So we, we really have an opportunity to ensure that kids know that they have other options, not just high tech. It's great to talk about coding and high tech, but we need a lot more to build our networks and to keep our country running. I agree with you. I've always said that we can't even start in high school because yeah. we, you know, the kids, they develop their interests. They know what they're passionate about. What We've got to start younger where yeah. it's, you know, it becomes something that, you know, they have an interest in high school. Then after high school, they may choose a trade school instead of college. I mean, I just, everything you're saying is just absolutely brilliant. I agree with you. Now, I know we've spoken before about a weakness in our industry with training mm-hmm. and certification you know, what is that weakness and how can we do better? So we have training firms in our in our industry. Some do a phenomenal job training. Others train and release them and, and don't really have any type of follow-up mechanism in place. And there's been a lot of growth in our industry. And we've had new companies come into our industry that didn't have a background, sometimes even in construction. So when you're talking about sending your own employees to be trained and you're getting them trained as a trainer to come back and train your workforce, how are you validating and verifying that they are properly understanding the importance, number one, of what they're training and that they're properly training to that curriculum, especially if you're a supervisor that maybe doesn't really understand construction. And our training companies should be held accountable. They should be going out and validating, verifying, even sending a secret chopper to some of these classrooms to make sure who they just deemed as a trainer is actually following everything that they're supposed to be following. I've been very vocal about this concern. We don't have in our industry yet a third-party accreditation or a test mechanism. So I've been talking to the NWSA board and I've been look, why do we not have a trainer credential? And so it's in conversation and I could see going somewhere. Those credentials take a massive amount of time and effort to generate a written and a practical exam that a governing body like ANSI is going to approve. But if we had a third-party mechanism to validate and verify that our trainers are competent and capable to train other individuals, that would go a long, long way towards ensuring we continue on this safer work practice that the industry Mm -hmm. has established. Yes, 100%. You know, we know that there's a shortage of crews. I mean, we here at Broadstaff, we get calls and LinkedIn messages and emails literally all day long, every week. I mean, we need crews. We'll take as many as you have. 
and it's a shortage, it's a crisis, it's only going to get worse. We know all of that. And it's a tough situation. You know, it really, really is. It's challenging. But, you know, we look at this and we also see that our industry is exploding and there's new tower companies entering, you know, the industry all the time. And, you know, you have to wonder when we talk about safety, is safety a number one concern? Because I know that you really help vendors become safer, right? So yep. is safety a high priority for all of these companies? And, you know, are climbers and technicians safer than they were, let's say, three years ago? If not, why? Well, most certainly, if they're abiding by, you've got to remember a, a lot of tier one companies have recognized the testing piece of the puzzle. So if you test your workforce and ensure by sending them through an NWSA and you get them a triple T1 or a triple T2, and that's a telecom tower technician exam that you can send them through, we didn't have that before. And if you look back at 2013 and the tragedies that took place in 2013 and 2014, when we lost 24 lives, the industry recognized that we reacted and responded to it. We have had over a hundred companies participate in developing those exams. So if you have crews that are now contractually obligated to have a certain percentage of their workforce have at least a triple T1 on their crew, of course, they're going to be working safer. We can validate and verify that they know what they're doing. The majority of our incidents are still, and I'm talking like 65% over the last three years are by crews that our root cause analysis shows us we're not following industry standards and we're not properly trained. And if they were properly trained, they would have been following industry standards. So it's really important that with all the new growth and all the new companies that have been coming into our business, that they really understand what they're responsible for as an employer and make sure like our industry got together in 2015 after those tragic events. And we've seen a shift towards safer work practices But because of that massive growth and because we've had companies coming in that don't even have a construction background sometimes, yet they're the employer who's legally obligated to ensure workers are properly trained for the hazards that they're being exposed to. That's federal law. That's not us making that up contract. So yes, I think we've definitely seen an improvement. And for over 100 companies to participate in ensuring that it's a safer industry, that type of collaboration has gone a long way. And that's why we see more tier one type companies adopting it into their contracts because we see the results. Right. What else can companies do? The training, the certifications, I'm so thankful because you're right that the companies now have that and the ability to know that someone has the certifications and they know what they're doing and they can be safe. And it's so, so important. What else can companies do to make sure that their workers are safe, right? Is it something to do with the culture? You know, what are some other things that they can do? Yeah, no, company culture goes a long way. I mean, integrity matters, right? Are you doing the right thing even when no one is looking? If you didn't hear that as a kid growing up, then, you know, hear it now because it really is important that not only are you doing the right thing when no one's looking and and you've got crew members that are willing to work with you because they trust you. They know that you're going to keep them safer. 
So yeah, ensuring those safe work practices are performed, there's a lot of applicable standards that apply to our industry. And the standards are always being revised because we learn from our mistakes. And those subject matter experts that we have that work on those standard revisions, they make sure that they take all those lessons learned and apply them to it. So if the companies are following the guidelines and the standards that have been applied to our business, and it starts with the universal building code and works its way all the way down to our industry-specific standards, they're going to have a safer work practice and cruise. So, Heather, we know that you know costs are increasing. It's a different time we're living in now, a different climate. With safety, you absolutely cannot cut corners, right? No, you can't. So you talk about cost of training and talked about, you know, other aspects of it, but a fatal event can cost you a lot more than just the cost of the fatality and the impacts to those families. But the workmanship piece of the puzzle, it can it could cost a contractor their industry reputation, which can lead to termination. We have some situations in our industry where we've seen companies that have been terminated by the majority of the hiring firms. Because after the fatality has been investigated by Ocean and shown egregiousness of the situation. So industry reputation is a very valuable thing. Our business is big, but it's very small in, in the same effects. So I say that all the time because, you know, I've been around for so long, but this industry is literally this big. We think it's gigantic, but it's not. When it comes down to, to reputation, it's incredibly small. So... With workforce being such a you know hot topic and you know talent and, and retention and it's just everyone's mind right now, there's employers that are hesitant to spend money on training and development and you know spend the time and they say, well, gosh, if I you know spend all this time training people and then they leave me for fifty cents an hour, you know, how do we overcome this objection? You know, there are some tenured firms in our industry that don't seem to have a problem with retention. And there's a handful that I've worked with for over 20 years that have been around. They have workers that have been there since they opened their doors. Are you offering a career path for advancement, right? If you've got a rock star on a crew, and again, this is where military transitions so beautifully into our business because that ethics, that moral, that is ingrained in them. They know that they can trust each other. But that path of advancement to take that rock star on a crew, send them to NWSA, have them tested, promote them to a foreman who's responsible for supervising and overseeing a crew, that path towards advancement, I have seen prove out for even smaller general contractors who are, you know, in our industry and have been in our industry for 20 plus years. I don't see heavy turnover there. What I see heavy turnover with are, again, some of those newer companies that have come in, they're trying to learn our space. They don't really understand all of the potholes that those of us that have been around for 20 or more years have all lived through. We're allergic to repeating our mistakes. So, you know, that career path for advancement, I think is really, I've seen it proven out with other tenured contractors in our industry, and they don't have guys leaving for 50 cents more an hour. Mm, Yes, absolutely. Talk about some workforce programs that, and I know you mentioned a few things in the beginning, but workforce programs and solutions that are actually working today where companies and leaders can get involved, find out more information that can really help them attract and retain their workforce. 
Well, I mentioned it earlier, but the telecommunication industry registered apprenticeship program. Right now, we've got about 50, just over 50 employers that have signed up for that apprenticeship program and over 2,000 apprentices. That is a government-funded initiative. We TIRAP works with the Department of Labor. If an employer signs up to have apprentices, they come to you already trained. And with the Department of Labor piece of the puzzle, those apprentices are now earning college credit, right? So if an employer signs up to be an active participant in the TIRAP apprenticeship program, you're getting already trained workers. You then get to mold them into your company culture, which hopefully is a safe work practice type culture. And then they're getting college credits. So if they know that you're willing to work with them and help them learn the business, not just what they can gain in a classroom, but that OJT on the job training in our industry is critical. Even though cell sites are very similar, they're all unique and different in their own special way. And if they don't get that on the job training, perhaps they only trained on a monopole and a self-supporter. Well, now they're out on a tree tower. And they need that OJT of how in the heck do I maneuver my way around with branches in the way? So that kind of stuff. And, right. and because they're getting college credit, there are people that are committed now to raise their hand and go, I might want to be involved in this industry. Everybody has a computer in their pocket. We want them to start thinking about, well, how does that work? What makes it work? Well, everyone that starts out in the field, right? We've got RF engineers, We have plenty of jobs that require a degree and plenty that don't. And by getting down into that more, you know, we've got diversity programs that we've launched. T-Mobile, we've launched the next tech diversity program that is so focused on really getting into the more diverse communities. We have Warriors for Wireless, which you're a former military vet. I'm sure you've talked to Major General Kevin Kennedy about the program. They were over almost 3,000 vets that they had run through the program. I think that was just a couple months ago. They're just under about 3,000. So, and that's been a very successful program. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Now, there's so many things that we can do, get involved with. And I think it's really just about getting the word out. And I know that you've been wonderful in your commitment and your passion to just let people know and, you know, say it like it is. I mean, is there something Mm -hmm. else that, you know, any final thoughts that you'd like to tell leaders or companies or, you know, just say that something that we all need to be aware of to make sure that we keep people safe and we continue to attract and retain and engage our workforce in the field? Well, set an example, right? Be a company that people want to work for. Have a safe work practice. I'll go back to the integrity piece of the puzzle. If they know that you truly care about their safety, that's going to resonate with them and they're going to want to stay. And, And when you think about the opportunities to grab new individuals and bring them into the industry, consider the TIRAP apprenticeship program, because that's going to give you the tools and the resources to help you walk through how to bring new people into your company and help you grow your workforce and help you retain your workforce. So those are all documented programs and there's resources in in place to help. And, you know, again, I just think doing the right thing, even when no one is looking, is going to go a long way to help grow and maintain your current workforce. I think that we all could use that, do the right Mm -hmm. thing when no one is looking (laughs) and we would have a better world, right? (laughs) If we all did it. 
I just wanted to tell the audience the TIREP program to find out more information about it. You would go to the Wireless Infrastructure Association website, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And that's where you get more information about TIREP. And it is a phenomenal program. So Heather, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has just been so informative and also inspiring. And it's a reminder for all of us as to what's really important and that's people and our safety. So thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you, Carrie. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.